This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. podcast the podcast where we delve into those frustrating moments with some well-known people and a well-known person of course is always with me each week it's Charles <laughs> Taylor Phillips how are you not that well. a well-known person well-known in what circles is what I'm always intrigued to know well Twitter circles probably Twitter circles is that it, it, yeah I'm happy with that yeah, you should be. That's yeah. that's a good place to be well known and well liked as you as you are. Well, that's very kind of you to say. I think um I hope so. I hope so, yeah. And likewise with you. You you're well known in Twitter circles also. Well, kind of. Kind <laughs> and of. football circles. Um football circles yeah. maybe. Yeah, football circles. Uh, which sounds a little bit like a sort of a movie or a book or something, doesn't it? Football circles or some sort of training sounds- manual. But anyway, um, yeah. I was going to say it sounds like some sort of 70s, um, like a love song. Football, football circles. <laughs> like, like, a, well, like, a, like, a, um, I was just thinking of some sort of football widow standing by the window, the veins coming down outside and her husband's gone off to the to watch the local match. And she's just left bereft. And she's, Yeah. <laughs> Every Saturday. It's just a circle, my life. It's the football home. circles. Right, we'll, we'll work on that song <laughs> and uh, we'll come back in a couple of weeks. Uh, but anyway, today we've got another episode of The Blank Podcast and uh, we've got a fantastic guest, genuine hero of mine. It's Rachel Paris. Yes, Rachel Paris, another a hero of mine as well. Um, love Rachel, she's so fantastic and um, got to know her a little bit over on Twitter, which kind of how I get to know everybody these days but um super <laughs> lovely person and um and so talented really talented yeah and and as we'll find out because we talk about you know her musical 
music training and uh, comedy and you know she's she's an all-rounder really improv with ostentatious um so yeah she's she's a proper all-rounder she is she really is um and not easy to do musical comedy um people have tried and found and she does it very very brilliantly um and obviously she's done Edinburgh Fringe shows and um yeah she's a real treat to spend an hour with um and she tells us you know she's very candid about um you know moments recently where she's had um suffered from anxiety and how that was you know getting back out performing live was was always going to be tricky with those things going on so it was really nice of her to be so open about that stuff yeah she really was open and it was uh it was a really enjoyable chat so i think we should just probably delve straight in after teasing our audience we really should yeah, yeah. so it's <laughs> this is uh, rachel paris on the blank podcast Do you want to do the intro? I feel like it's always me. I'm stealing the no, mic from you. No, I normally do this bit. You can do it. Okay. It's not very long. <laughs> we just say, Rachel Paris, welcome to the Blank Podcast. Great. <laughs> and that's that. Well, thank you. That's it? Yeah. I missed it. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, I've got wet hair. <laughs> uh, I'm all right. Is this going on the thing? Yeah. Great. I'll just stick to... I'm good, thank good. you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, my hair is dry with a bit of product. I have my hair cut this your... week. Yeah, I was about to say, it looks shorter. It looks better, because last week it looked quite bad. Like it? it um, well, I mean, I hope it looks better. I don't remember I mean, it looking I'm... bad, though. I'm not, not commenting because it doesn't look good, but I don't know what it looked like last week. Yeah. Well, last week it was fine. I, well, I, well, wasn't, I wasn't happy with it. Right. So I guess it, in my head it didn't look very good. How much... Does your hairdresser charge for a haircut? I go to a very, very reasonable barber. Mm. See, barbers, you see, this is the thing. Mm. My wife recently had her hair cut short, and she just goes to the barber now. Oh, clever. Yeah, because it was... He only did the sides and the back. I said, leave it longer on top. It was £10. See, I think there should be the same rules for, like, cutting just a basic short hair and cutting a very, very long hair, which is just... Just short. Just cut it. Yeah, (laughs) because how much would you have off? Like, like a couple of, couple inches, of inches yeah off and it can just be like that so i do do it myself about like half the time but then when i go to the hairdressers they're like what has happened <laughs> 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 who has been cutting uh, what do you do when what's the technique do you put it I, in a ponytail i put it half and half bring it round my shoulders and then snip about what i want off okay and then i do a bit of shaping around the face oh okay and do a bit of feathering my mum was a hairdresser so, uh, so you've got some of this i've got some now i don't remember any of those terms that, yeah. that sounds professional and i think it looks absolutely fine and no one can tell and then you go to the actual hairdressers <laughs> yeah. and they're like what is happening <laughs> i know i mean i went to these other hairdressers and uh, they did this to me mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it wasn't me it wasn't yeah. me at all it yeah, was, yeah 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 different yeah <laughs> <laughs> But a woman's haircut's really expensive. So expensive. They can be, well, there's obviously like still cheap places like yeah. with anything, but they're like at least three times what it is. For so men. what would you pay on average for um, a haircut? Between um, about £60. Wow, maybe? wow. Between, between, Six times what I pay. Between 50 and 80. Depends what, depends what you want. Yeah, and they sort of force you to have other stuff done, don't they? I mean, they, they force you to have it washed and dry. Let's force you, <laughs> push your head in well, the they do that. I can't possibly cut it if it's dry. 
Yeah, you sort of often have to pay for like a blowjob, even if you're just going home. Yeah. Um, And the high, the highlight, the highlights. You don't have to have highlights. You can't make that clear enough. But (laughs) is that included in the sixty pounds? Is that more? No, that. Oh my god, that's much more. That's like a hundred pounds. See, I used to do my own. This is in London, obviously. Yeah. Well, no, but I think that's quite standard, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I. To be fair, my haircut's thirty-four pounds. Thirty-four pounds. I get it at like a proper hairdresser's now. So you go to women's hairdressers. Yes. It's a good haircut. Thank you. My hairdresser is called Luke. He's a Man City fan. He's a, he's a legend. Although we've become friends now, so I can't obviously leave him. It's too That's I mean, you, you build up a relationship yeah. with people. I do like I, him. I go to two hairdressers. Yeah. One's a bit further afield, but they... Oh God, you're, you're playing off two different hairdressers. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one in my town's really good. This guy called Gary and Matt. There's two of them. Yeah. And they're really nice. And they do a very good haircut. But the place in... This is called Peacehaven, which is a bit further up the road, near, near to Brighton. Yeah. He, the guy there is Turkish. Yeah. And he flames my ears. What does that mean? Yeah. So he gets like, he's got like a little dousing rod type thing, which he puts in like methylate spirits. And yeah. He, he lights it. And then he... What? And he dabs. Oh, so he gets, oh my so he gets God. all the fluff. So he like sort of oh. ear fluff. Or any kind of excess. Sounds like he's doing a magic trick. And he's yeah. Like, yeah, it's incredible. Produce a coin from behind That's amazing. Ear. Yeah. So you kind of go for the experience. He's good with beards as well. He does like a wet shave. You know, I really so. want... Um, my partner did um, a little like sketch thing about this, you know, nose hairs, when you can get like a, a wax plug that oh. you just put a stick of wax up. That's and it's designed for the nose. It is designed yeah. for nose hairs. And then you just whip it out. And it pulls out like all oh, the nose hairs. I'm sure it isn't good for you because nose hairs are there for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's so painful. That sounds horrible. <laughs> but like, I really, really, because, because my partner's got, to my quite impressive nose hair, sorry, um, <laughs> I really want him to do it so I can just see. I have got quite a gross fascination it? with those things. Like, yeah. you know those videos online of like pimple popping and all that uh, kind of thing? Oh, no, I can't. I'm so into really? it. I used to love casualty as a oh, child. Oh, I really <laughs> like things yeah. like that. Mm, I don't know I can't. Yeah. And I know a few women that like it, more than men. I don't know if it's a... Yeah, no. like all the, the, I haven't spoken to Talking any gems, male gems. people that are into it. I've spoken to a lot of women who don't know what it is. No, I'm very squeamish. I couldn't. I'm not into any of that. But that sounds like one of those. Do you remember those um, on Clive James? They used to have those Japanese torture programs. Oh they yeah. Used to like make people walk through worms and like. Oh. Do you know those? Do you yeah, I know like, what you mean. Yeah. That sounds like the sort of thing they would do to them. Like put some wet wax up your nose and then Let it yank it out. Yeah. Very satisfying. It is, it is satisfying, <laughs> but I can imagine, yeah. That could be a little treat you could... Uh, well, he, I don't know if he'll let me. I'm, I'm going to keep asking. <laughs> Are you going to do it yourself then? Do you want to be involved in the process? I don't want to do it, no. no. I feel like I, I would be willing be to do it <laughs> if, he, if he would do it. <laughs> it would just be so amazing, so much air. Anyway, mm-hmm. you grew up in Leicester. Yeah. <laughs> Great segue. Speaking of nose hair... <laughs> Seamless. Yeah, I grew up in Leicester, in uh, just outside the town, a little place called Syston, the okay. home of the Pucker Pie. Is it? Oh, yes. wow. That's oh, nice. Oh, that yeah. is a claim to fame. Yeah. I thought you were going to say home of nose hair, but yeah. <laughs> home of the Pucker Pie is great. There are probably, to be fair, a few nose hairs in Pucker <laughs> probably, yeah, probably There probably were a yeah. few that dropped down into the, yeah. <laughs> into the mix. Yeah. So... Did you eat a lot of pucker pies as a child? No, no. no. Um, I don't think. I don't think my parents really. There was something that was served at the chip shop. Okay. as an option, but if you're going to have fish and chips, you have fish and chips. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand that pie option. I think even as a child, 
I, I was like, mm, mm. that's not right. I just imagine chip shops to have these piles of pucker pies just out the back that people don't buy. I think that is... Can we pause yeah, for two yeah, seconds? Say so sorry. I think you're probably right, yeah. I think don't you think? Yeah. It's a bit like when you go to, um, you know, those places that do... Pizza, Chinese, burger, and you're like, oh, you don't do any of these well. No. <laughs> Why would you? I don't understand. Pick like, one. There's too much diversity And just there. stick to it. it, it there was a place like that near us that did all those things, like kebabs and yeah. Chinese. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Why would you? That's too different. That's... Too, yeah. Neither of those can be good. That's like, yeah. No, they <laughs> like, can't. Like, Not, yeah. Well, I mean, you can't combine them either. No. Like you could do kebabs and there's got to Indian be different cuisine. different skills. It doesn't like combining cuisine. You know when you get like those the chicken shop chicken kebab pizza shops. Yeah, I'm always because then that makes me suspicious of all of them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm like, do you do one of these well, and which one is it, <laughs> and is it none? Yeah, exactly. Well, what, I said there's a place that does kebabs. So it's like a kebab shop, but it does Chinese food as well. Mm. You think that's not those are not con- transferable no. skills. No, and well, I wouldn't clearly chips. It. Yeah, that's all right. As well. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Um, Thank you so much. That's yeah. I take the chip. I go chip. You just go chips. Go really safe. Chips. Yeah. Can't chips yeah. wrong. I love proper chip shop chips. That was such a treat, like growing yeah. up. Like because we'd have quite um, nice, but like really trad, like meals. You know, meat, two veg. Yeah. Um, varieties of that. Sometimes bird's eye turkey burgers, which I miss. <laughs> really <laughs> <laughs> I love them so much um, well, they don't make them anymore I don't know but you get out of the habit of mm. like Finder's crispy pancakes or something we used to have mm. sometimes as a treat we it's have... not a treat though is it really not really no <laughs> not but now. it still is like, it, it still is it can it? be Giles I think any pancakes are still be. a treat yeah. but yeah fish and chips was like yeah. treat, treat night Yeah. which with hindsight I think was like often just like a Friday night where my mum was like, your dad will bring home fish yeah. and chips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aren't you lucky? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But what was, what was school like? Um, it was really nice. Yeah. No one wants to hear this. But no, no, I think I, it's good sometimes to hear good stories about school. I, I, I loved school pretty much. Um, I think I had the same, like, you know, you don't want to get up in the morning you want a day off any child like you know you <laughs> really hope for like a snow day and stuff oh, yeah. like that yeah. I didn't have completely wildly positive feelings about school but I did really enjoy it um I think I like primary and secondary I went to nice schools which helped I didn't get bullied um and I liked the work most of the time mm. um so yeah I feel like I had a very I got very lucky there. I've spoken to so many other people, even at the schools I went to, who were like, oh, wasn't school awful? And I'm like, no, <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. There were obviously like some subjects that I hated and found hard, but there was so, there was so much of it that I loved. I got to do like a bit of drama. I got to do um, music and um, writing, you know, and all of that just kept me, kept me happy, I suppose. So you were quite creative then. You were. Yeah, I was always. Yeah, I was always creative, and I think I was at the start of school. Um, all the I remember, everyone thought of me a bit like what you were saying about previous guests. I think, even though I have the ability to come out on stage, and and also your personality changes over the years, but um, I think I have the ability to be very shy and quite quiet. Um, in le- like, if I haven't got anything burning to say, then I just won't speak and that was the case in class I'd just be very quiet and perhaps a bit shy socially but when I got into 
school plays and things like that, I feel like um, I got the chance to kind of come out of myself a bit more. And I, I remember there being quite a lot of surprise, like among the teachers were like, oh, <laughs> this <laughs> yeah, girl yeah. who hasn't said anything for three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Suddenly like playing this bold character in a play. So yeah, I felt like, I felt like I got lucky with that. I was, I was, um, I got like a assisted place. Okay. The last, I think it was the last year that they did assisted places before, um, before um, Labour got in in 97. So I got very lucky. I got to go to like a much better school than I would have done. And it, mm. it was, um, yeah, I suppose, I suppose I've, I've, everything, the stars fell just right for that. Like I got through the exam, we got the assisted place, both of those things needed to happen. And then I just felt like, oh, I'm really lucky to be here. And it, yeah, I loved it. I loved that. And the uni, uni was great as well. I like I like education. <laughs> yeah. I like the formality well, of it. Well, it's almost a dirty now. word sometimes for some people, especially like you think like creative people often don't yeah. find their way academically. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. So, yeah. And I think in in comedy, I think it's so unusual for a comedian, especially, to have had those experiences and those attitudes towards formal education because so many comedians are like the rebel, yeah. and it's just yeah. about not doing anything academic and just getting up, saying what you like, you know against the establishment and all that kind of thing and I do think that there are now like plenty more comics like me who is like you do comedy your way and yeah. I approach comedy I feel like I learnt how to do stand-up I'm still learning um I don't feel like I was someone who was born to do stand. I'm not someone who in the pub I'm the one yeah. telling all the jokes and I learnt how to do it and I like the the process of like sitting down and writing and I love my favorite thing has, when I started doing Edinburgh was creating that hour-long show it felt so much like writing a really really nice um piece a uh, composing a piece of music mm. or like writing a good English essay which is just like yeah. really getting into grips with like the structure of it and what is the message you're trying to put across and what's the best way to say that what's the funniest way to say that mm. but also the best way to say that and all I love I love all that I love the sort of the academic side of it mm. is something I really enjoy so you quite like structure then when yeah, it comes to the creativity. <laughs> yeah, I do. I love. I think for years I wanted to think of myself as such a free spirit. Yeah, yeah <laughs> You know, yeah. sometimes the idea you have of yourself isn't quite true. Yeah. And I think as I've got older, I've realised. No, I do. Yeah, I do. I do like structure. Yeah. It, well, it helps. I, I think I'm the same thing. It helps frame kind of creativity. I think. Yeah. I find I struggle when everything's just like a bit of a mess. And I don't know where to start or what to do next. Actually, I need a bit of a right. You're doing this today. Or you're going to work until you've done that and you've got your list and you tick things off. Actually, that helps me almost be more creative. I absolutely do. Yeah. I find it very hard to write off the cuff. Yeah. Like, you know, if, oh, I've got 10 minutes in a coffee shop. I'll just do some writing. I need like a day of this is the day that you're going to write in. And that doesn't always work. Yeah. Um, you don't necessarily get loads of great stuff done that day. But I find it very hard to just turn to it. Similarly, I know a lot of like comedians who we'll get a call of like can you come and do this gig tonight like after your other one or something and I I never say yes to them (laughs) (laughs) they have to be weeks in advance otherwise I can't I like I do I like structure and I like to know my plans and I can't deal with like last minute changes and the same with like oh do you mind sometimes it's fine but generally if it's like oh do you mind doing this amount of time instead and actually mm. going on at that time and we're just going to say this instead and the stage will actually be the other way around, like all of that and I'm like okay that's fine I'm just going to go and breathe in the corner for a minute <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what happened do you do you find so you find that quite difficult then would you would you 
Or do you get a bit prima donna about that or something? No, um, not about that. It depends. Uh, I get prima donna about things that I have like gone to an effort and lots of people have gone to an effort yeah, yeah. months in advance to put in place for an important reason for my shows and then they don't happen mm. I don't I don't know if prima donna is the right term but no. I do it does bother me because um and I just I just have to make sure they're fixed mm. because I'm like enough work has gone in mm. it's often just to do with technical yeah, things sure, yeah. in the theatre and because I do um, piano yeah. and singing and I have backing tracks and and sometimes a projector as well so it's a lot of tech stuff to get right and um, it takes a lot of effort to make that work and it basically takes like everyone doing what they said they'd do yeah. and what <laughs> I do get prima donna when people have lied and said mm. we have that yes. and they haven't or yeah. we've done that and they haven't and I'm like don't lie yeah. because, yeah, because yeah. I could have brought it from home yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah I think I'm generally right but I do just get I also get very very anxious before mm. shows um, so um, I Another feel like I'm so quite abs- a different person after a show than, than before a show I hope I'm not like complete bell end before a show but I think I am um controlled mm. and I think it can come across as like not warm but yeah. what I am is inside very very anxious yeah sure. yeah um and then after the show I'm like da, 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 da. <laughs> you guys were amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but that, there wasn't that, a projector yeah <laughs> that's part of the process of of doing a show isn't it everyone yeah. has that anxiety yeah. in to diff- varying degrees yeah and people deal with them in different ways absolutely and that's just that's just learning how you deal with it yeah it's part of being able to then go on and do the show to the best of your absolutely. ability it's such, a, it's such an interesting culture the the green room of of comedy clubs um and it really depends on the gig you're doing you know because there's some gigs you feel completely comfortable at yeah. and you know that all the people and, and you just feel ready for the material you're going to do and there's others that for whatever reason they might be small gigs they might be big gigs that you feel really really nervous about and you need to um have your space and you need to think through your stuff but there's there's such an assumption of um being the life and soul of the party and all comics being all just like chatting and chatting yeah, and all yeah. of that and um, I often feel like, oh, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. I need to like learn my lines, if you like, and yeah. kind of take a minute. Um, and I, also, it's interesting with with status as well. Like as you do the circuit in different gigs, you have you have a different status in that green room. And the uh, if if you're in a room where you're you feel like you're like the headliner or the most like sort of outwardly successful one there's an absolute assumption you won't be anxious you won't have any nerves mm, yeah. and you have to almost act like the host you know yeah, really generous yeah. and everything and I, I do try to do that but I think I look back and at gigs where I was like you know the the lower status one and think like why is that headliner being weird and <laughs> awkward yeah, yeah, and yeah. what reason have they to feel nervous and actually you realize that, that that never that never goes away and everyone everyone needs them I think most people need like a bit of space yeah, and that's, that's not another level of pressure for you if you to be, like, yeah. you know, like be the life and soul of the party or whatever it might be in the green room. Yeah. That's another thing to it's stress true. you. And, it's true. And yeah. even I'm saying this now, and even then I, I still put that on other people. I know I do. Thinking about gigs with like really, really famous comedians, like you're like, oh, they weren't the f- absolute friendliest yeah. they could be. And it's like, no, well, sometimes not people aren't and you're not, yeah. so... 
and I guess it's work as well, isn't it? It's work, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. But it's so true about com- comedians aren't always the life and soul of the party. They don't have no. to be. Comedy or comedians on a spectrum are so many different people that have come from different walks of life. Yeah. It's not, I don't know, maybe comedy was different 30 years ago where everyone was the jokier guy, but I think now anyone can do comedy. Yeah. Alternative comedy is, is a big scene as well, which is very different people. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, yeah, you're right. I think comedy is now such a big thing and such a broad thing that, yeah, you've got people who do comedy which is like a weird clowning physical thing and you've got people who do like observational stand-up you know you've got sketch you've got um people who just improvise the entire thing like all all different personalities within it um and so i think you're like yeah there's i think we have to lose that expectation of them being like yeah all but then there's also that stereotype of like the depressed comedian. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which, yeah, I have met many. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> they do, they do exist. Um, so obviously, you did musical comedy. We you do musical comedy yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. So did... I do like a bit of stand up and a bit of um, songs that I write. Um, sometimes at the piano and sometimes I create like a backing track for it so you get to perform it like a pop star yeah. basically <laughs> me getting to do what well, I want saying, to do <laughs> when music obviously has been a big part of your life yeah yeah you, did, you studied at university yeah. I have done some research uh-huh. um, <laughs> so when was music when did music first come into your life and what what was there a particular moment you think oh music, you know is it buying that first been LP or from no like from earlier like um, there was there was a lovely rickety old piano in our house by sort of by chance. So my, my older brother um, had piano lessons and played the piano and my granddad did as well. Oh, okay. Um, and so there was a piano in our house. And so when I was a toddler, I used to sort of try and reach up and play it and stuff. So what I started having, my mum was like, it wouldn't be a normal thing really to have music lessons, but because my older brother had... Um, and because I seemed to be interested in it, my mum was like, do you want to have piano lessons when I was six? <laughs> and even at six, I was like, yes, please. And I just loved it straight away. Um, I just played it every day, played the piano every day. So the piano has been there. Like I did my first like school little recital thing when I was seven and um, played oh. like this in all through school, all through uni, different kinds of music. Got into singing, got into choirs, got into jazz, um, got into arranging music as well. So... If someone wanted, if like some of my mates wanted to do something just for fun, like play a pop song, then I'd work it out by ear at the piano and yeah. work out a flute part. Always the flute. <laughs> yeah. like, if in doubt, if in doubt, flute. Yeah. stick a flute in. And I'm just like the idea of like the Spice Girls, Mama, with a flute part. <laughs> this Jeffro told this up a little bit. So I was that I was that music geek at school, um, and then that's interesting because I know a lot of people who did lessons and stuff they yeah. go down the sort of more academic musical loop well, yes. in, in the, they're learning sheet music they're doing grades yeah. um, and so many people I meet um, who, who have got to that you know, grade 7 or 8 they find it very difficult to yeah. listen to music and, yeah. and to you know to Absolutely. work stuff out you know and I remember because I, I mean I self-taught played the guitar yeah. and you just you know I just listen and I hear stuff and I just work stuff out um, but so many like sort of more academic players don't find that difficult they Absolutely. can only play to sheet music so I got very lucky you, I got very lucky yeah. with my piano teacher um, uh, Mrs Calder who was I think we just found by chance she was just the local piano teacher but what she was so brilliant at was straight away doing both so I, I did the grades you know I did the theory or the academic but 
from the start she was having me playing pop songs little easy jazz tunes um and i think because of the activities i was doing um the idea of arranging and because i played clarinet and sax as well then later transposing music as well became a thing so I think all the the teaching that I had, I got very lucky that it was never just about passing the grades. It was never yeah. about that. And I think that set me on a path of learning that. And I, I've got a lot of friends who, especially like, because I went to Oxford and yeah. did music, it was such a, even for a music degree, it was an extremely academic music yeah. degree. You could do that without performing a note. And um, so there were lots of people there who'd had more of a path like that, studying the theory and doing the grades and could play it incredibly, incredibly classically, but couldn't play like a take that pop tune (laughs) (laughs) or do anything syncopated and so I feel like that's I I knew I did a lot of classical piano very uh, when I was a teenager I think there was an expectation I might go into like conservatoire classical piano but for me I always wanted to sort of pull away from that a little bit and do something different so yeah did you start writing your own stuff yeah, yeah yeah I was writing I was writing like little tunes from when I was like 10 and then I wrote songs and like lyrics and stuff all through uni. And then I started performing my own like sort of pop songs and ballads and stuff mm. in little clubs, just little open mic nights, you know, just yeah. like 20 people there or something. Um, a little bit when I moved to, I did it in Oxford a bit. And then when I moved to London and then it was only when by total chance, um, I got, I worked my way into, <laughs> in a random conversation, I'd done improv comedy, mm. it was fantastic, you know, but it hadn't occurred to me really to do solo comedy, and then I was chatting to this, um, I think she was, she might have been Serbian um, lady, Helena, who ran this really alternative gig in Cable Street Studios in East London, that wasn't even a comedy gig, it just, she was willing to have anything interesting on, and I told her, like, I was a comedian, as a sort of, like, well, it was a lie, but <laughs> let's be honest, it was a lie. But to see what happened if she'd give me a gig. And she said, great, come and do 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and so that gave me the push that I needed to. I wrote like some parody songs. I wrote some original funny songs and some poems and a little bit of stand up in between. But it was mostly songs and poems. And since that, and it went very well. Um. I think I got lucky for a first gig, like for a nervous girl, that was a perfect gig because it wasn't like a normal comedy night. Yeah. It was really alternative with an audience of eccentric Europeans <laughs> who were like, wow, fantastic. What is yeah, happening? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> and there was a lady in that audience who worked for Funny Women. Yeah. And my first ever gig. And she said, wow. come and do the Funny Women open mics. So the chain started from yeah. my first gig, which helped. But... Yeah, the music has been... If I hadn't had music, I wouldn't ever have done it. I did songs and then with a bit of talking in between for a long time. It was like the songs were what I did. And it's only as time's gone on that the stand-up has got bigger and the songs are less. Yeah, so was was a career in music always something you wanted to do, though? I mean, if it hadn't been for the comedy... It was one of the things I wanted to do, and I did. You know, I I worked in, in music as like... A music teacher, choir leader, plinky plonky piano in hotels, um, all sorts of different things. But I think there was always a show-off element of me that mm. I knew I wouldn't quite be satisfied unless I was on the one on the stage. Yeah, mm. things like in the in the improv um, group that I was first in, 
you know, I loved doing the piano for it and it's a really fun thing to do to improvise piano for the scenes like the right genre and everything and yeah. so fun but I love doing it but I would be like doing it and be like oh, I want to be in the spotlight <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and the same with like teaching drama teaching piano like anything like that and being a, I was like a musical director for something and I enjoyed it but I was like oh I just I want to be we'll the be one upstairs, doing yeah, it yeah, yeah. um so I, I think there was always a part of me that wouldn't be happy until I was actually like the one on the stage kind of thing well it's like an itch it's like an itching yeah. scratch isn't it yeah it was being, yeah it's not sort of center of attention well, i guess it is in a way but it's it, like, I it, it, is, it, yeah. it is but it's just like you you've got this thing you feel you want to give and want to do and want people yeah. to watch it yeah whether it goes well or not hopefully well but you yeah. want them to share this thing with them exactly and do you think i think as well like for some for some people it's really specific what you want to show them um for me I feel like it could have been music, singing, acting or comedy. Like, I just knew I wanted to be telling something to people. But I think the way in which I did it could easily have not been comedy. It could have been something else. Um, And I still love, that's why I still love doing the songs and acting when I get the chance. Um, I think for some people it's just like... I want to be there talking to people, but I I don't necessarily know in what yeah. genre kind of. Well, thing. I want that connection. Yeah, because that yeah, connection yeah. with a live audience is like unless you have have done it, it's hard to explain. But it's it's, it's almost magical, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely. And so sometimes it's just being up there talking to an audience, whether you're doing twenty minutes, emceeing, whatever. Something about just like having this connection with people. Yeah, it's crazy. It's amazing, and it's such a fundamental. Um, I don't know if it's, it's learned or if it's innate, but like um, when. I got well I was talking to you a lot about it earlier in the year I had a period of like very intense like anxiety at a point where I I could hardly leave the house like it was really bad um I couldn't like have conversations and uh it, it you know just a total wreck but the performing when I finally went out of the house to do a gig was fine everything around it terrible yeah. <laughs> I'd arrived just like shaking like you know really bad but as soon as I got on the stage, yeah. everything just was like, oh, fine, relaxed. And as soon as you make that connection with the audience, I was like, oh, this I can still do. Which was such a relief because yeah. I thought I'm not going to be able to do my job. Um, to know that I could still do my job and enjoy it was like, oh, thank God, that's preserved at least yeah, when everything else is going mad. to the anxiety more, do you know? You're yeah. thinking, oh God, I can't even do the thing that I'm supposed to do. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I, you know, I totally get. I understand that from my own point of view. You yeah. still can't believe you did 20 minutes at your first ever gig. I know. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I think, to be, to be fair, I've always, I've always said about that. Um, I'll do an extra chorus. Yeah, that. exactly. But it's true. <laughs> yeah. but, but musical comedy, your, your timings are longer. You stretch yeah. a joke out for longer. Yeah. But so it is always different. That's true. that was the case for like, I basically never did fives. Because yeah. you can't, because fives is, is one song. Yeah. So, um yeah, I all, I sort of leapt straight into like sort of well, yeah. 10, 15, 20 kind all of thing. All the competitions I've done when I used to do musical comedy were a nightmare. Oh my God, exactly. They were like, yes. oh, you can do two minutes. And I'm like, two minutes is like the setup to yeah. the first verse. <laughs> and then it gets funny after that. So you've got to sit through that bit first, mate. When you did all those competitions, like when um, they'd be like, oh, so many of them. When you said you did musical comedy, they'd yeah. be like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. What do you What do you yeah. need? Exactly. Yeah. I'd be like, well, I've got a keyboard. Oh God, where are you going to put that? And I'd be like, can you Can you provide um just like a tall stool? <laughs> yeah. 
no <laughs> can you provide a DI but no okay I just if started I bringing all my own thing I just got, yeah. I got a little sandbox and just took it to every gig so good just in case yeah. I went to so many where the amps are like from 1965 and I got, not got the right connections yeah, yeah. absolute nightmare <laughs> sorry John is that, well, no, I, was gonna say, is that, I was wondering if that's a reason why there aren't more people doing musical comedy possibly it was enough to put you off isn't it like, yeah. and it certainly makes me do there are gigs where I just know it won't work yeah. in terms of the setup of, sure. the, of the venue. So I'm like, I'll just come and do stand up tonight. You know, I can't. There's no way for me to do a song. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's def- <laughs> definitely will have cut down the musical comedy. But yeah, I think yeah. probably some people are like, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gigs or some periods where you think I just want to get on stage and I just want to do straight stand-up or sometimes I just really want to do musical stuff I I often feel that I just want to do musical stuff because that's my comfort blanket um as soon as I'm behind a piano Mm. or singing a song that feels more comfortable than anything else um but there there have been gigs where I've started doing music and thought you don't want this yeah you just want to hear the words yeah um and you don't know and you also are treating it completely differently to the comedy yeah <laughs> like ever suddenly an awed silence yeah. falls yeah. and I'm like no it's a joke it's still a joke yeah they're jokes in this bit <laughs> was the music I'll just go sorry I don't want to dwell on your yeah. anxiety things but I know that's alright was, was the music a comfort did you was that something you could bury yourself in a little bit did a you lo- write did you you know was it an outlet for you Weirdly, no. Um, I think I found... Th- I, I remember trying to... Dur- during, literally during a panic attack, trying to um, play, play the piano mm. as a routing thing. Um, that worked, just to literally calm my breathing down, just playing something very um, mechanical, like some bark or something that's just like... a a really rooting exercise on the piano and, and I did find that good for stopping my breathing going crazy um, but I found it very hard um, to get started with creative things during that period mm. there were a couple of days where I got into it and once I had I found it really lovely and calming mm. and very very positive to be creating something for the first time and I realised I hadn't I've had a bit of a mad year and a half really um and I realized like I hadn't been creating really during that I've been creating for like particular programs yeah you know yeah. but for my own stuff which means so much to me and is always per- the shows I do are always about my life they're always very personal and I suppose it is a form of therapy to to write comedy about them and write these songs I hadn't done that mm. for the longest time since I've been in this job I'd had this longest period of not creating so when I did have those days of managing to get past the initial blankness, it was wonderful. And I felt positive for the first time in weeks. I sat that day and was able to just write jokes about mm. random things in the day and about the anxiety. Yeah, <laughs> well. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, I found it very hard to be creative. But once I was, yeah, it was. It was an anchor. Mm. Not an anchor, actually. A, um, a propeller. It was really, it, was a, it felt very, very positive. Mm, that's interesting, but it, I guess it's 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 important as well not to like beat yourself up when you're trying to create. Yeah. 
and those days when it doesn't happen. Yeah. Not to get too angry at yourself. Angry. you're still trying. Yeah. I know. And to think, I'm never going to create again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm terrible at this. What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just one day. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I've, yeah. I, I was going to say, and also, although you've been doing this for a long time, mm. you could argue that in the last couple of years, you've kind of been... The limelight's been shining on you a lot more. You're doing a lot, you know, you've become a lot more successful in, in regards to like TV work and, you know, you're seen around a lot more yeah. now. Um, and I guess maybe that's an extra level of pressure and, and you know, can cause... You yeah, know, I think it, how, so. Has it been something you've had to learn to deal with a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've learned to deal with it, but it's something that I've had to, um, like, it's been on my mind a lot. It's really interesting because you... <laughs> You spend your life like trying to get the limelight as much as you can as a performer. Mm. You want to get as much attention and success as you can, so that I suppose the goal really is to get to do your own thing whilst having enough money to live. Um, and yeah. the more successful you get, the more choice you get over what you do. And that has come to pass this year. It's amazing. It's like now that you've been successful in that we're going to let you maybe do this like classical music thing, which you never got to do before, which is completely yeah, yeah. unrelated. Yeah. So that has been true. But I found it interesting not be finding myself for the first time in my life absolutely terrified of the limelight. And I don't know if that's because of the way it was shone on me. Um, and I, I know, I think, I think to normal people listening to this will be like, she's not even famous. <laughs> but, but I think from the, coming from the inside, yeah, there was yeah. a period last year where it, it felt, from where I was, which was really no attention, to this period of like a few things online getting 50 to 60 million hits worldwide and suddenly getting messages from all over the world, getting newspapers writing articles about you and your private life. Yeah. And um, it was such a big change within a week it happened. Um, and that period of sort of interest lasted um a few months um and then it's kind of evened out but like I think it was the first time where I've been like don't look at me yeah <laughs> don't look at me yeah. um and it's it was a really and it's kind of continued now of like constantly chasing work and attention and success and mm. wanting people to take an interest in you to at the moment it kind of to a certain extent feeling like just wanting to be left alone yeah and I know that's the anxiety um just I suppose a fear of success a fear of people paying too much attention to you Mm. so that's an odd turnaround for me having Mm. spent so many years chasing it then you're like that's enough yeah 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 yeah. I don't anymore (laughs) and it made me think about properly famous people um and just what a what a nightmare that must be i listened to an amazing yeah. podcast with kira knightley who's mm. someone who i've never especially like thought about you know but um and she spoke so well about it about this period where she basically like had a breakdown after she made she made like 20 blockbuster films in the space of two years and she was only 19 yeah um, to take on, and it? then she just yeah had just burnout complete yeah. burnout and it was it 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 was so interesting and what she had was so much more intense you know just like the press hounding her um but yeah that's that's been interesting like that I think it will even out again but I think I'm just going through a period of readjusting to like okay now that people are offering you things now you have to actually decide Mm -hmm. what you want which is 
terrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you didn't know before. People were like, what do you want to do when you're older? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Get more gigs. Yeah. <laughs> get get offered, you know, something something on TV or something. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, but be, be specific. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and you would do what you were offered. And you're like, well, I've been offered this. I'll do this. Yeah, yeah, then yeah. I'll do the next thing. I'll do the next thing. Yeah. And now you're like, oh, I have to choose. Oh, yeah. It's like a responsibility that suddenly turned up. Yeah. Mm. And if it goes wrong, it's your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a pressure yeah, on yeah. you. chose wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess at that, when, when it turned and the stuff started going viral, that must have been really overwhelming suddenly. It was. It, it, it was. I just didn't know. Um, well, I, don't think any, I don't think anyone expected it. And um, I don't think anyone except me saw what the consequences of that were. Mm. Um, the TV show, the production company, my family. Like, I don't think to, the, the complete change in interest was so um, hard to describe. And it was amazing. And it, I think what it was is that in that day when it literally went from naught to 60, not literally, sorry. Um, <laughs> that is an idiom. Um, but when, when it turned up so quickly, um, I think I'm looking ahead enough to have I think even on that day I was like things are going to change yeah. mm. and I think that's what it was Was it wasn't just what was li- actually happening in those days it was me knowing that that your life's going to change a bit now yeah. so I think that's it wasn't just the physical like oh now I've got thousands of Twitter followers now yeah. I've got people sending me messages weird messages oh, <laughs> from all over yeah. good and bad yeah. um, and uh, there's a certain element of like alienating my family a bit you know um, I don't necessarily have the same uh, political beliefs as everyone in my family and I think um, they're quite they're quite private and so there's an element of like am I am I letting them down as well they're getting the spotlight on them and they were like people coming up to them and talking to them about it. Wow. Mm. And well, because you've kind of put this out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's personal. And kind they of didn't thing. ask for that. Yeah. You know, so there was guilt as well, and um, and also an immense and very much spoken pressure to recreate that success. And that's continued like all through the years. Like you mm. did that with that one. We've got to achieve th- yeah. that again. Um, and it's like we, we probably won't. It yeah. was it yeah. was exactly the right time for that mm. to go viral. So. Yeah. So yeah, it made me sound all, all doomy. What an amazing thing to happen! It was incredible, and there's no like it is. It it, it was such an amazing change for my career, and I'm getting so many great opportunities. But it was scary. Yeah, mm. oh, I totally get that, and especially yeah. that thing of, of of recreating it as well. Yeah, because you have a certain expectation yeah. that people think, "Oh, these guys are amazing." And I'm sure when you were writing it and stuff, you must have been like, "This is going to bang. This is really good stuff." I think the boys, the the Mass Report team, had this idea about the sexual harassment one particularly. Yeah. Um, and they created this visual guide, like the thing about the, you know, like you can give a woman flowers, yeah. just they can't have your penis in it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so fu- it was so funny. And then they got me in as a writer um, to uh, write bits in as well. We created it together then, um, and it became. I think I think we knew it would be very funny, but to my mind, I remember thinking it's a bit late. It was months after mm. uh, the Me Too thing happened. I think months, or certainly weeks. And um, I remember thinking, this would be really funny. A lot of it's been sort of said before, but I think we'll do it in a funny way. Yeah. Um, but it turns out, I think people weren't <laughs> were ready for like a new take on it kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, and also, I think enough time had passed since the Me Too um, 
sort of initial kind of whirlwind had passed for the sun to settle a little bit and red people were ready to laugh at it yes at the yeah. at the you know laugh yeah. with it not yes. at yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 storm with it so yeah that. yeah so yeah i think i think we knew i think we knew it would be very funny but i don't think nothing nothing from i think i think nothing from the bbc had gone that viral yeah ever so i don't think anyone was no. ready for it to um be and you never know, do you? We, I mean, it's, it's always no. like something out of the blue. You just don't know exactly what it's going to be. And That's what I keep you know, saying to them now. I'm like, yeah. you can't stuff. plan. Yeah. You probably wrote some other stuff. Thought this is going to be really, really yeah. well received. And there's no the same thing. like no. structure or algorithm to it. No. It's just, I think the timing, as you say, is always yeah. a part of it. Yeah, that's luck sometimes. Yeah. Mm. But also, there's that great feeling when you've written something and it gets shared, you know, whether it's 60 million times or you know fewer times. And people like it, and you think, "Oh, I've, I create." Same as doing stand-up, I created that. Someone enjoys it. Yeah, that's a really nice little connection, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting in t- just thinking about blankness as well. Um, there's now, um, uh, I'm in this odd situation now. There's because of uh, the mass report. There's an expectation of me, even though I was taken on as like a comic actor, yeah. you know, to do that role. Yeah. Um, Which and you do then, brilliantly, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, and it's obviously it's like it's it's me but it's an exaggerated version of me and uh, you know I I write with a team and often they have like a point of view they want to put forward and I temper it with my point of view but it's also the it's the Daily Mash's point of view but because of the the way it's presented there's an absolute expectation that that is me Rachel but it's got my name yeah that and also that I as a person am an arbiter of like social justice (laughs) and I really do like on Twitter people really like I wonder what Rachel Paris has to say about this as if I'm some kind of like political moral force um you're waiting for the call and I never chose that yeah (laughs) that's been invited and I've said no because that's not that's not me yeah Yeah. that's Nish Nish is passionate and like Nish is like knows so much about it takes such an interest in um everything to do with politics in the news and mm. that's what his stand-up always was mm. and is and so and he's you know he's so fiercely political he's so funny about it um he's so passionate about it and i take an interest in social issues but that's not um you're not a political comedian i'm not a political comedian no, yeah, i never was yeah, yeah. Uh, i've put more in my live shows <laughs> now but like yeah. um so being in that position then uh, it's quite an odd one uh, and there's things that you are like expected to comment on certain debates yeah, that go on yeah. um, that you are expected to like state your opinion on them and it's like I haven't thought about it <laughs> yeah. I haven't thought about it it's not in my <laughs> yeah. I don't know I just won't comment on it mm. and even not commenting on it People are yeah. like, oh, I see Rachel Paris is suspiciously yeah. silent yeah. on this issue. Like silence speaks volumes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't. I'm just having some I cake. I can't win. Is that the same with live shows and stuff? Do you think there's more expectation to do similar sort of stuff than yes. with the touring stuff? Yeah, but the touring's been amazing. The touring, as we were saying, like the performing is my safe space mm. and I love it so much. And going out on tour, what's been the best thing um, about the success of the show is... Um, 
it sells more tickets to my shows. So I get to perform. It's, um, as any comedian knows, it's easier to perform basically to more people, yeah. generally, as a rule yeah. of thumb. And so now I get it's, to... It is. <laughs> no, I true, think like doing gigs when in my band, like you play to two people, it was horrific. But it's hard. But to a thousand, it's amazing. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like I'm sure there are little limits yeah, within, yeah. it's harder. But generally speaking, any performer yeah. wants an audience. And so I've got to play like, like theatre rooms you know and not have to be flying too hard not having to be pushing too hard it made my tickets sell which is so brilliant yeah. and then you just turn up and there's people for the first time in 10 years there's people there who are already excited to see what you do yeah and that was amazing and it made it was such a, it was such a different feeling to I've done like my little tours before that I've mostly booked myself to like you know just like 40 40 seaters and things like that which have been lovely and intimate and really nice even then when people have bought tickets to see them it's been like well it's a wednesday what's on at the local thing this yeah. sounds okay whereas that that pre-excitement in the room makes your job so much easier um to be honest and also they're not expecting the music and they're not expecting kind of relatable observational stuff about my life their life and everything they're expecting me to just do an hour of jokes at boris johnson's expense yeah. and actually i'm only doing five minutes of that yeah. <laughs> but they're getting to know you yeah yeah and, they're, and generally speaking because i was like worried if that'd be you know they'd be asking for refunds like yeah. she didn't do 90 minutes of satire yeah. <laughs> i do about i do about like 15 to 20 of satire now which is i've upped it a bit for that reason yeah i've enjoyed it but the majority of the show is is not and so and they've been, I think, pleasantly surprised by the music, pleasantly surprised by the relatable stuff. Um, and so, yeah, it feels like the balance is getting... And now there's, like, a whole host of people who've been already to see me do that and might come again yeah. without the expectations of me just slagging off Jacob. So it's becoming people. a Rachel Paris greatest hits. You know, you've got your music, yeah. you've got your satire, yeah. you've got yeah. your proper standout, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I really like the variety. I always have, really. Like I couldn't choose yeah. <laughs> what to do, so I'll just do all of them. Yeah, yeah. do it all. That must—that's a nice change in dynamic as well. Going to do a gig because every gig I do, I turn up. I think got to prove myself tonight. Got to do well. Got to impress this promoter. Got to yes. do well. Yes. And actually, going out there, I've got nothing to prove. So it's nice. going to be me. Mm. Yeah. That must be so nice. It's so nice, and it, it, the unfair thing is how much better a gig you have yeah. purely because of audience expectation, and it's so not about. And obviously because you're full of confidence because of the reaction you get in that first second yeah you are easy and yeah. you perform better and that's so I, I used to think about that a lot about um like the headliner effect if someone says you're the headliner you yeah. act like the headliner yeah. yes and yeah. if someone says you're the open spot then you're nervous and yeah. you're on trial and yeah. it's really unfair it's a self-fulfilling prophecy but um yeah it it really does it really does make a difference it also spoils you as a comedian you get very lazy <laughs> after i'd done tour shows for like um a few months last year and then i went and did a normal gig and no one knew who i was and it was just a normal audience there for whoever they saw and I died on my ass oh, so really? bad, so, so bad. Like, I think they were an especially difficult audience, but I'd, yeah, I had got spoiled by mm. it. <laughs> you were way back then. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I really need to work on my <laughs> gigging skills. It's a good day sometimes to do that, though. Yeah, and it didn't, it didn't like hurt too. It was embarrassing, but it wasn't like, yeah. hurtful. It was like, okay i see what's happened mm. here i've i've i'm out of practice I'm yeah practice and well, we talked to reg the hunter about that didn't we a little bit and he said about um taking out all your best jokes and doing gigs 
Ooh. without your best jokes. Yeah. Oh. And seeing how it goes. Yeah. And I think Eddie said Eddie Izzard used to do that as well. Like take out the best ones and then see how you if you stand up okay. Yeah. Without your best material. Oh, that's then... good. Maybe I'll try that. Yeah. Very brave. <laughs> yeah. Way too brave. Yeah. yeah. Never. Because he was telling you to do that. something like that, wasn't he? Yeah. He said yeah. he, he said to Jim that he should go and get his ass whipped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've yet to do that. It's not going to happen. Sometimes there's audiences that are just clearly hostile. Yeah. And for whatever reason, um, like, just don't take a shine to you immediately. I did one um, in London. It was another one of, like, after tour gigs that I was, to be fair, like, I wasn't used to, like, if it's not going your way, pulling people back round. Yeah. But I, I got up on stage and they, I sort of said something like, you know, great to see you or something like that and it was like silence <laughs> and um i said i, I had a ju- i was wearing quite a spark it was christmas time and i was wearing yeah. like a slightly ridiculous sequin sparkly top and i already had a joke ready about it being okay. a, re- a self-deprecating joke absolutely ready to say and i said um i know what you're thinking about this top and someone just yelled out yeah it's shit <laughs> oh, God. damn it that's my punchline yeah. <laughs> I was like, A, needlessly hostile. Yeah. 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 B, in fact, I think two people called out something like that simultaneously. It's like, wow, A, I'm never wearing this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And B, you really hate me. Yeah, that was a, that was a really. But that put part. you on the back foot, though. Yeah, definitely, so Huge, you, hugely. Yeah, hugely. And then you're always trying to scrabble back. Yeah. Somehow, Is that that must be really. I difficult. had two. It was a. There is some. Um, comedy nights that book you for like two or three gigs in one night um and you go across town and it was one of those and i'd already had a terrible one at one of their gigs it's the same company so i had had this terrible one already where i was like oh my god what is happening here it must just be a a one-off because it doesn't happen often to be honest and then i went to this one and i was talking to um the mc who's an old friend and i was like yeah i just had a terrible terrible gig um and he said i'm sure it wasn't that bad I'm sure it wasn't that bad. You know, you'll be fine. They're a nice crowd in there. Uh, I watched him fine. You know, they liked him very much. I went on, had that experience, died really badly and came off. And I was like, I mean, that that felt like it went badly. And he went, that was so terrible. They hate you. Oh, my God. God. And he said, to give... to be fair, they hated you immediately as well before you opened your mouth. And I was like, I know, right? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> like, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for reaffirming what that. Great yeah. observation. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get why audience, audiences get like that sometimes. It doesn't no. make sense to me. Sometimes it is because you're a woman. Like, if it's that kind of audience, yeah. which you do get, they're like, oh, who's this now? Mm. Who's, this bl- who's this blonde girl? Yeah. Like, it's not... Oh, she's got a piano. Yeah, she's sake. got a piano. She's wearing a gold sparkly top. <laughs> But then you're just constantly, from the minute you walk on stage, you're just fighting this battle. Exactly. That the other comics, male comics, haven't had to fight. You kind of want to say that. It's really unfair. Yeah. Um, would you literally just leave it? You know, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. So many times I've wanted to do that. Like, you don't want me to carry on. Yeah. I don't want to no. carry on. Yeah. Let's just, just call, call a truce. Yeah. Before go. <laughs> the funny thing, I remember, but for like, like the first few years of doing comedy, I remember people saying isn't it awful when god you, you it's going really badly and you look at your watch and you've still got like 15 minutes left to go and you have to do your time mm. and i remember for the first few years thinking 
why do you have to do your time? Because I was never being paid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, yeah. just go. You can just, yeah. you can just walk out. It's just an open night. You can just walk out, yeah. you know, and not understanding that concept of like, it's a job and you have to do 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and it was only later that I was like, oh, I see. You have to do your time because you're getting a wage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're getting paid for this. Yeah. <laughs> Remember once telling me he was doing a corporate in a bowling alley. And oh my god! His, his thing Already when he did, going yeah, on. his thing when he did corporate was he's like take the piss out of the boss for a little bit, yeah, get them all on side, whatever. Took the piss out of the boss, and it turned out they all loved the boss, no. so they all turned on him instantly. And he had to do another what eighteen minutes, and all he could hear was silence and bowling balls. And now he can't go to bowling alleys. Which <laughs> <laughs> just brings back that trauma of that gig. Oh god, poor guy. Corporates are so weird. It's a world I've only got into the last few months, and like getting you often you feel like going you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna turn down the money yeah but you feel like saying to them you think you want a comedian but you don't yeah you want like i did one for in north wales that was a really specific celebration of a local law about business in north wales that had been passed through parliament it's that they'd get, it was really niche they were all <laughs> and they were all really excited about it like it was a really community-based excitement about pushing forward local business and there were local politicians there talking before I went on talking about this bill the specificities of the bill and then they said now Rachel Paris who's a comedian to like end the night and and I had said in advance, I said, is there anything specific you think I should talk about? And they said, no, no, just do what you Northern do. Northern Welsh bylaws would yeah. be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and then I got up. I tried to do some material about Wales. I've been travelling a lot through Wales. But it turns out talking about Wales and talking about North Wales is a Ooh. very different thing. Yeah. They didn't give a shit about Cardiff or Swansea. <laughs> I tried to talk about like McCundleth Festival, all of that. And they were like, if you're not talking about Anglesey, then get out. <laughs> and um, they, I, it became apparent like they didn't want to hear anything if it wasn't about this business thing. And I thought, why did you book a comedian? And so many of these corporates, they're like, I understand if it's to, um, to compare, you know, because yeah. yeah, you're that's good at that. Yeah. But to just do like a set, unless it's about the thing it's about, then... That's not what you want. It's like when you get asked um, very occasionally, people want a comedian for weddings. And it's like, oh. Would you do that? Never. I've turned them all down. Because yeah, yeah. I've seen I've seen one oh, happen. Really? And it was so awful. Because no one wants... You're like asking all these people on the happiest day of their lives with all their family and friends to shut up. Yeah. Stop talking to the people you care about, who you have a limited time with. Yeah. And listen yeah. to me, a stranger <laughs> who doesn't know the bride and groom... <laughs> Like, it's such a terrible idea. Yeah. And I've always, I've, in my reply, I've always tried to say, I'm so not available asked, for this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe like only like three times. But I've replied and said, I'm not available. Um, I, I really suggest if, if you it's know reason, someone yeah. who is in your family or is a close friend of yours who performs to get them to do it. Because um, yeah. honestly, asking a stranger to come and disturb the day yeah. <laughs> is going to be awful for them and for everyone else. I was very lucky though because I, Kevin Day, led the speeches at my wedding. Oh my god, really? Yeah, because he's a mate of mine Amazing. through football. Yeah, oh, so that's that so worked nice. perfectly. Yeah, he yeah, got yeah. to do five, ten minutes, of yeah. taking a piss out of me basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. But he knew me, so that worked really well. Yeah. But turning up and doing it at someone's wedding you've never been to. But you know, you get all of the best man speech stuff. That's normally got some decent jokes in it. Anyway. Exactly. That's all the comedy yeah. that people want. I think my poor. I've got. A, I'm getting married in September, and my um, best woman is going to do a speech. And because, you know, I'm a comedian, 
my fiance is a comedian. There's a lot of comedians there. Um, And she was like, oh, great. So I'll be doing the best woman's speech (laughs) to a room full of comedians. No sentimental. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. But I said to her, actually, you'd be amazed. I think comedians are really supportive Mm. of other other people they're not supportive of other comedians no i was gonna say yeah, <laughs> being yeah. funny that's true, yeah. if it was like an actual comedian making a speech i think they'd be like oh let's uh, see how this scandal yeah. of a comedian but i think i think comedians are really supportive of like non-comedians doing yeah, a funny course, speech and that yeah, kind yeah. of thing yeah i think it will be great it will be great definitely it's terrifying doing speeches at weddings have you been like I've um been a best, man. best man with another person so there's two best men right. yeah were there Go two on. speeches yeah and the other person hadn't done any preparation at all. What? Literally what? before, it was hilarious. Before what? the... Uh, I what? One job. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. And before the, uh, <laughs> before the speeches, there was a little break. They were having coffees and stuff. He'd got some old receipts and was writing little notes on them um, for, for his speech. And I was like, oh, mate. have you not prepared? And I had like two yeah. A4 sheets yeah. with like planned bits and everything like that. there was a full narrative to my speech yeah. and, like, and uh, I can see we're similar people <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah I know exactly again. I know yeah, I was yeah. like oh my god I can't not be prepared for this this is like the biggest day yeah. of this guy's yeah. life he's my you know, of course. good friend and this is where I introduce the topic yeah, this yeah, is where yeah, I yeah. explore <laughs> the themes <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to bring in first joke yeah. <laughs> in um, and uh his speech was much better than mine. Oh, no <laughs> way! That's no. not the end of that story I wanted. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you sure you're not being so No, it was. He got loads more laughs. Oh. To be fair, I, in the end, I could see I had a couple of jokes that just didn't end. And I thought, I'm just going to lay on the sentiment. If in doubt, no sentimental. So I went sentimental. And actually, I actually sort of teared up at one point. So I started talking about my own children and yeah. how nice. I be like him. And, blah, blah, blah. and, and I think that's good. really nice to have that though. And it was fi- People and actually, want the sentiment yeah, as well. And actually yeah. it, was, yeah. it was good. It was good. So it's fine. But yeah, I just thought, oh, you bastard. It yeah. doesn't always, but I've been to a wedding where there were two best men's speeches and it was the same thing. One had prepared and one hadn't. And we were kind of, because of their personalities, we um, kind of had like our bets on the one who hadn't prepared because he seemed very confident and yeah. naturally very chatty and funny we thought that'd be we didn't know he hadn't prepared but yeah. we thought he'd be really good but actually um the sort of quieter um less socially um easy guy who had prepared did this just amazing speech yeah. like it was so like lovely and thoughtful and funny because he had written yeah. jokes yeah, yeah. and um and yeah like the guy who hadn't prepared it didn't go. It did not go well. Like he really so lost his And I think it went. On, I think his speech, the one who hadn't read, went on for like, like half an hour. Oh, he's and just it was like, like oh my he? god, yeah. I think yeah. he got nervous. Um, yeah. And it was like, oh. You can feel the room prepare. die. Like you can feel yeah. like it. Because oh. <laughs> like my first joke, it just didn't. I thought it was a good joke as well. <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> you know, like kind of a little yeah, yeah. tittering. That's my best joke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. oh, it's downhill. I from mean, here. Yeah. familiar. Yeah, familiar. yeah, know it well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. Are you going to do a speech? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've been trying to measure it out because, like, you want to. It's going to be so many speeches. You definitely want to not just have men speak for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but equally, then you you have to follow through on that, and um, that means not. You know, do you are you then going to not let your dad say anything? Mm. Um, and so we're looking at like, oh, that's the sixth speech that will be yeah. happening. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think there might be quite a few speeches. But we're just going to say that's like, right. let's I try think... and not do half-hour speeches. Mine won't be 
long. I feel like it's my day off. Yeah, I just yeah, want to. I mainly, I mainly just want to thank people myself. I'm not, I'm not huge. F- There's a lot of like very traditional wedding things that yeah. drive me mad. That I'm like, oh, why are you? Like, oh, don't the bridesmaids look fit? It's like, it's so, yeah. it's so odd. And yeah. um, if anyone's going to thank the bridesmaids, I will thank yeah. the bridesmaids. Yeah. They're my friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Um, so, yeah, that whole, the tradition of who thanks who and everything, I, I find odd. So I just want the chance to thank the people I want to thank um, and to say a bit about him. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's Something your, nice, it's probably. It's your yeah. day, so you can do what you want. <laughs> That's yeah, what, that's what we did. Get your piano in. Yeah, <laughs> my partner keeps telling me off because I keep accidentally slipping. Because I think we're, I think we're being quite good about sharing the, the, the admin and the excitement. Okay, it's you a know, lot I, admin, I don't feel there? like it's been one-sided at all. But I do keep accidentally letting slip. Going, um, so uh, for you know, for my wedding, and he's like, our wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my wife did that as well. Yeah. She's like, my wedding. I was like, one minute. Wait. We're not both getting married. <laughs> on that day it is it's so, it's so easy to do that, yeah so. <laughs> well um rachel this has been absolutely brilliant have Thank we talked you. enough about it's, blankness yeah i think we have sorry i feel like i haven't talked enough about well, blankness. i'm gonna wrap it up by asking you that if that's because yeah. we're basically oh, we ask our guests normally at the end of each podcast just for their advice to anyone listening who might be going through any blank moments what you would share with them this is going to be a period of blankness well i think nice yeah <laughs> Because um, I heard, I heard you say that you don't edit out. We don't edit the no. blank bits, which no. I really like. Well, yeah. yeah, because often we make mistakes. Like I made a mistake often. in our first podcast. When I got did a, you? I got John Monson's book wrong, the title of his book wrong. Yeah, and that was really embarrassed. I was really embarrassed. Yeah, I was quite I nervous about that. I was yeah. really nervous about interviewing John because um, I'm a big fan. And I'm a big fan as well. Yeah, yeah, and he's so lovely, and he was very good about it. It was all fine. But um, but he did. I was just like. Oh, Shit! What one job? I had one job. Um, it was like the what best was the man name? Shoot, which shoot. book was it that? You... So you've been publicly shamed. And oh I yeah. said, How? I said, can you tell us about your book? How to be publicly shamed? <laughs> which is it's not, a very yeah. different book. Yeah, 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 very different. Whoops, never mind. But yeah, so we do like to leave in the yeah. right moments. Yeah. Well, sort of, you know, it's part of life. I think there's so many different ways. I think for for, for writing. Um, I think they're accepting that there are days when it's not going to work for you. Even if, and that's speaking as someone who, I've already said, I put it in my diary, today you're going to write. And I think it's good to try on that day, keep coming back to it, but accept that there will be days when you can't do it. And then I think at the times, the the hour or the, the day when you feel something gets you on that road really go with it if you can afford to whether that's for um half an hour or whether that's for a a day give as much time to it as you can because i do think it's it's a bit like a rolling ball you know you once you're on that road once you're i'm sure there's probably some science in there about your the synapses going off in your brain but once you're on that road more stuff will come and i think make the most of that because there will just be these days when you're blank and you just can't do it um and i think accept that what works for you doesn't work for other people um for me because of what i said earlier about like being quite an academic mind i love being given um a limit (laughs) um a proposal an idea like um can you can you give me five minutes on this subject um or for myself setting my own limitations of like 
I'm going to write about a song in this style or about this topic and that works really well for me but it would be too restrictive for other people um, so I think learning what works for you and working in that way which I suppose is a way of saying don't listen to me <laughs> <laughs> but that works for me is is having um, having, having actually a restriction on it so it's not just a blank page in front of you you've got a topic in front of it or for a song it's it's not just the piano there and nothing it's like I'm going to try and write in this style yeah. good that's good that's I, awesome. I'm genuinely going to try that actually because I think Great. I'm a structured person as well that would work for me so yeah. I'm going to try that yeah. yeah and it could be like a random topic as well yeah. something that it's not like oh I want to write my show about this but maybe just pick an an object of interest or some a phrase that you saw in the media or something like that um and then even if you don't end up using that material i think anything that gets you yeah. rolling can be can be good and it might send you in a direction that suddenly something yeah. else comes from yeah. that you weren't intending exactly but you needed that kickstart to get there yeah yeah cool Rachel, amazing yeah Thanks Rachel Paris. thank you so much thank you thank you, thank you. there you go that was Rachel Paris what what a brilliant guest and as you said you know in the intro Giles what a, what a very open and an honest guest talking about anxiety and a lot of things I think we can all relate to yeah absolutely yeah um and you know um thank you so much to Rachel for being so open with us and you know it's great these chats we have because we you know it's you and I and the guest and it's it's quite an intimate moment for an hour you know for an hour of us talking and and it's been amazing how a lot of our guests have felt comfortable enough with us to open up about various different things that, you know, not just stuff in their work life, but also their personal lives, which, you know, it's really nice that they feel able to do that with us. So um, thank you to Rachel. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's just an enjoyable chat, chatting to someone that you respect so much and admire and, you you know, you find out you've got loads of things in common and you all share the same kind of worries sometimes. It just, it makes all these, these guests that we have who, you know, some of them are just incredible performers. It makes them really sort of humanable, which I don't think is a word. I think I just made that up. But um, well, we'll go with it. Yeah, yeah I like just, it. Yeah, why not? It's what we do on yeah. this podcast. We just make up words. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and you know, she's got some huge recognition recently, which is very thoroughly deserved. And she got nominated for a BAFTA um, for entertainment performance. And uh, yeah, she thoroughly deserves it because she is, um, you know, she's one of the hottest tickets out there at the moment. Yeah. So if she's playing live near you, please do go and see her. Um, and also like you mentioned in the t- top um, about Ostentatious, which is also a fantastic show. So yeah, do go and check out um, Rachel Paris, wherever she is. And um, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Miranda and I went to, um, saw her live show in Edinburgh in 2015, I think it was, which is in the same room that Austin Place was in. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, and she was brilliant. And it was musical comedy. And you know, that's four years ago. And uh, she was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So, And obviously, nomination for the MASH Report you know, th- this yeah. year at the BAFTAs, well-deserved. She's absolutely yeah. brilliant. And yeah. it. it's a yeah. fantastic show as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And we should probably mention that we are off 
to an award ceremony as well this this Saturday, which feels very weird to say. Um, but the British Podcast Awards were up for an award, which is wonderful. So I'm, I've got to get my. I don't even think I have a tux actually. I think I probably have to rent one or something. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't normally get invited to these kind of things. With that in mind, I did look back at some of the photos from last year, and there weren't a lot of tuxes. Okay. So don't worry too much about dressing up too smartly. I would wear something comfortable. Not. I'm not suggesting you should wear like um, tracksuit bottoms sort of thing, but maybe something something comfortable but chic. I might get my wedding suit out because I've got quite a fancy wedding suit that's quite smart. You're going to vajazzle us. I might do, yeah. (laughs) Who knows what could happen. Anyway, um, I'm looking forward to going to that with you on Saturday, Giles. It's going to be amazing. And do you know what? Um, Win, lose or draw. No draw. Um, It's just so amazing to be recognized for the podcast you know we're like you said and when we talked about it the other week that you know we are a grassroots podcast it's just you and i some you know we 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 willow our amateur ways um and we've had some amazing guests who have been very very lovely about coming on so you know and it's so much about them and not about us and hopefully that comes across and you know it's just lovely to be in the mix it is indeed so we really appreciate uh anyone that nominated us or put us forward or voted for us or anyone that's helped us thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts yes indeed um and that's it for another week on the blank podcast We've yeah got another guest with you next week uh next wednesday as per it's gonna be a good one because they're all good it ones they are and it is because of the guest that it's good <laughs> yeah because probably no one <laughs> listens to this bit <laughs> They probably skip, yeah, I bet people are skipping past yeah. that in the first bit. But if you are listening, thank you very much. We appreciate it. And we hope that wherever, if you're on your commute or something, wherever you're going, to work or from work, we hope you have or have had a wonderful day. Um, so that's it. Join us again next week on another Blank Podcast. Goodbye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is a Glass Box Media Podcast.